Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Without further ado, Gary Gaskell. Jacqueline Gary Gaskell. I've never had an introduction like that before. It's hard to beat that one. He's my boy. Well, what I want to talk about tonight is uh, your story. Everybody has a story, their life story, their journey. My journey is different than your journey. Angela's journey is different than mine. Everybody has a life story. Just like George Washington had a life story. Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, they all had a unique and special journey in life. And we're the same way. The Bible says... In Psalm 139, verse 14, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. We're all unique by our Creator. We're all special. Doesn't matter what anybody says about you. You're all special and unique. And God loves you. And in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 7 and 8, it says, Lord, we are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hands. We're all unique and special. And tonight I want to share three unique and special stories of people's lives. Three different people. And I'm going to start with my own. My story. It's unique. Everybody's unique. I grew up in a Christian home. My mom, she was about as good a Christian as you could meet. I mean, she I never heard her cuss. She always reading her Bible, and she'd drag us to church, my brother and I, to church every Sunday, whether we wanted to or not. And I hated going to church. I really did. And Sunday mornings, I'd always fake it like I had a sore throat. Or, ah, I'm sick and all that. And I'd spend a long time just putting my, my clothes on so maybe we'd be late or something. I'd do that all the time. But my mom, she, she's a little smarter than us. She'd get us up a little earlier to make compensate for all these other things. And you know, the reason I hated to go to church wasn't because of just church. Uh, let's say I was about eight, nine years old. I remember... This church was a big church, and my mom would teach a Sunday school class on the first floor of this big church, and she'd teach just like these four or five-year-old kids, okay? And when I was, I was maybe nine, I don't know, my class was on the second floor, and this Sunday school teacher would have us all, we'd be in a room like this, and we'd all get in a big circle, and that Sunday school teacher would make us all read out of the Word of God. Every one of us, one by one. And in my life, I had to go to special reading classes all the time because I was terrible at reading, terrible at spelling. I stuttered. I had to go to special speech classes because I'd stutter. And special reading class, all these... and. Here's a young boy trying to read a Bible in front of everybody. You know how big I felt? 
fell as low as I could go because I'm stuttering and I can't pronounce all these big words. I remember the teacher would make us read so many verses of the Bible and I'd count how many verses it was till me and I'd try to read and read and read that over and over again so when it came to me I could say it halfway decent. And that's why I hated to go to church. And I got to the point... The church was big enough. They had a restroom upstairs. I'd say, hey, Mom, I'm going to Sunday school class. Run upstairs. Go in the bathroom. Lock the door. If the teacher didn't see me, I'd stay in the bathroom the whole time during church service. And when I'd hear people starting to come out of the classrooms and kids running up, I'd unlock the door, run down. My mom never found out. Until years and years later, when I was at the church, she came to hear me preach, and I told that story, and she couldn't believe that's what I did. But when I got a little older, my mom says, you're going to become a member of this church. I said, no, I'm not. I was about 12 years old, and I said, I'm not going to be a member of this church. And my dad was a cop in Mishawaka. And he'd pick me up in the squad car, drive me right to the front door of that church and made sure I went to this membership class. And, and I remember going to that membership class and I was like this the whole time. The teacher, would, the preacher would tell you, we need to write this down, write that down. They'd give us papers, pencils, and I'd sit there and doodle the whole time, draw pictures. I was not going to pass this class. I don't care what... Anybody says, I'm not going to become a member of this church. Well, when membership class was over at with, guess who flunked? I flunked church. And so when I got a little older, my mom and dad said, Well, you don't have to go to church anymore. But I became a teenager. And uh, so after I graduated from high school, I got a job in a factory in Elkhart, and I wanted to be a tool and die man, tool, tool maker, welder. And I got this job at a place called CTS, and uh, the high school shop teacher rec recommended me for this job at CTS. And I, I worked out in the factory for a year, work, worked hard, and, and finally got into opening in the tool room and was able to start working on a tool and die apprenticeship. I worked my way up from cleaning floors, cleaning machines, oiling machines, whatever it took. And I bought a Volkswagen bus. And I thought I was cool. This was back in the 70s, you know. And I, I glued shag carpet on the roof, and I had titted jealousy windows in this Volkswagen bus and painted it green. And, and it was like a little camper. It had a sink in it, an ice box. And, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to find out what life's all about. And I, was, I wasn't married, young punk kid. I drove up to Warren Dunes, if you ever heard of Warren Dunes. And I camped up there. And I took a Bible with me. I actually did. Because all the time I grew up as a Christian in a Christian home. I wasn't a Christian. But I knew the Bible was real. Just from the way I was raised. And I started reading right at the beginning. And I read and read, and to be honest with you, I didn't get much out of it. I, I, I didn't get much out of it. 
But I knew it was still the Word of God. And the Bible says, seek and you shall find. I was seeking way back then, but I didn't find the Lord yet. And so after that, I found a girl named Nancy and dated her for about a year. And we're going to get married. Where do you get married? In a church. Well, we started going to church. So we'd find a place to get married. So we went to this church. Once we got married, didn't go to church no more. So I'm still working and working hard. And uh, one day at work, a guy asked me, Are you saved? Are you born again? I never heard those words in my life. At the church we went to, the preacher never preached about being saved or born again. I said, what in the world are you talking about? Being saved, being born again? He says, are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. And he left me alone. But those words impacted me, whether he knew it or not. And you never know how you might impact somebody with just a few words. And those impacted me more than anything I could comprehend. And I started watching some preachers on TV. And there's good ones and there's some bad ones. So you got to be careful. But I was listening to some good ones. And that guy talked about being saved, being born again. And I said, that guy's talking about the same stuff. So I started writing all these verses down about being saved, being born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's John chapter 3, verse 3. And, and uh, talk about being saved. And at the age of 25 years old, the Lord convicted me that I needed to get right with Him personally. I remember I was 25 years old. I built a barn out back of our house we had at the time. We had chickens in it and goats in it and all that kind of stuff. And I went down. It was out to that barn. It was about midnight. It was starlit night. And I remember bowing down in the doorway of that barn looking towards the stars. It was like in 1979 and I think September. And I asked Jesus Christ in my heart to be my Lord, be my Savior. And you know, He changed me. The kid that hated going to church told my wife, we need to start going to church. And she said, okay, we'll go. And I asked the guy down there, where I worked with it was a good Christian man. I said, where's a good church to go to? And he said, well, there's a little Baptist church just down the road from where you live. I said, I'm going. So I told my wife, we're going. So we went. And the first Sunday I went to that church, I remember. Went to that church, and there were real men in this church, not a bunch of old ladies. I've been to some churches where just little widow ladies and old retired guy passing out the bulletins. And, and there were real men in this church, and the men carried Bibles. And the preacher preached from the Word of God. And after the, he preached, he gave an altar call. I'd never seen one in my whole life. 
It was asked people to come forward if they wanted to get right with Jesus Christ, to be their Lord and their Savior. And I thought, wow, this is my new home. I found a church. And I get home, I ask the wife, what do you think of church? She says, well, I don't know. She says, all that preacher wanted to do is get people to come forward. But she wasn't saved at the time. And a year later, she got saved. And after that, we both got baptized together. And after that, I started growing in the Lord. I was like a sponge. I want to learn the Word of God. And we became members of the church. And then they asked me if I wanted to be a, a, a teacher at the church. I said, you want me to be a teacher? They said, yeah, we want you to teach the 4th, 5th, and 6th graders. And I told them, well, I don't know that much about teaching. And they said, well, we got these books. You can teach out of these books. Teach these kids this. And I'll tell you, when you have a responsibility of teaching others, you'd want to dig in and preach it right. So that made me get in the Word of God more than I ever did. I didn't want to lie to these kids. I didn't want to tell them something that wasn't true. So I studied like crazy. I grew in the Lord, memorizing the Word. And one thing I never had them kids do, guess what I never had them do? Read out loud. If they didn't want to read out loud. I found out. You know, I'll say, hey, does anybody want to read this passage or something? And there's kids that love to read. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say, hey, you can read it. And the ones that didn't want to, I never put any pressure on them. And, and it, we had a neat class. And then later on, our, our youth pastor asked if my wife and I would help him with the youth. The youth group was kind of growing and they needed help. I told him, yeah, we'll try. So another thing I want to tell you, don't be afraid to stretch your, yourself. You know what I mean? And I said, yeah, we'll try. We don't know anything about it. So we worked with the youth pastor. And about a year after working with him, he had to quit being the youth pastor. His dad was dying of cancer, and he had to go help his dad with his business he had. So what that, I ended up being the youth pastor did that for about 16 years but the Lord kept keep feeding you a little more a little more stretching you and growing I love that job teaching young people about the Word of God and one day a good friend of mine his name's Scott Teeter I don't know if you ever heard of Scott Teeter but he he came here he was a lawyer and he'd come here and sing and he approached me went to the same church and he says, Gary, I want you to come to the Cass County Jail with me and you preach and I'll sing. I said, you want me to preach at the jail? I said, I'll try it. I'm going to stretch myself some more. So I came here at the jail. I'd studied a message. I wanted to preach. And I asked the head chaplain back then. His name was John Meyer. Big guy, he's about six foot eight or six foot nine, one of the biggest men. He'd fill that whole door when he'd come walking in. And he had a voice like this. He'd always talk real meek. But he's a big guy, he weighed like 375, six foot eight, big boy. And uh, I asked him, Well, how long can I preach? And he says, 
as long as you want. Nobody's going nowhere. So, so I preached my first message out in the gym here. And after my message, I gave an altar call. And eight men come forward to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord, their Savior. And that was over 27 years ago. And I've never left this jail but on cloud nine, seeing people's hearts, lives change. It, 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 it's such a blessing. And since I've become, every time somebody comes to Christ, I write it down in my Bible. And I just added it up the other day for this message just to see. It just Cass County Jail had the opportunity to lay, lead 862 men to Christ in 27 years. So the Lord blessed the Lord. The Lord gets all the glory. And I want to tell you that choices we make affect us the rest of our lives. And I want to tell you some of my choices. Even before I was a Christian, I can see now that these choices helped. When I was in school, I didn't hang around the druggies or the drunkards when I was in high school. My mom and dad taught me better than that. Don't do that. You hang around the wrong people, get in trouble. So I didn't. I graduated from high school. I got a job and I worked hard. The Bible says, if you don't work, neither should you eat. And I followed those principles. My dad was a hard-working man. He was a cop, plus he drove a cement truck, plus he did carpenter work. He taught, he'd bring my brother and I to the, sometimes helping do carpenter work. And it seemed like we had dirt piles in the yard all the time that had to be moved. He's always having it. And he'd bring these big stacks of lumber that had nails in it or great big long boxes he got from this company that got tubing or something in it. And we'd take all the boxes, all, all the nails out of them. We built a whole garage out of these boxes. My brother tore all the lumber apart, but he kept us busy. He gave us a work ethic. And, and uh, <clears throat> later on, I, I got that tool and die job and studied, went to night school and all that and worked hard at all that, working a full-time job and doing that. Then I started, uh, ended up getting married. We ended up getting married. And we didn't have sex till after we got married. I was just drawn. It, it's something you, you'd wait to do. I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I knew that was a godly principle. When you go by godly principles, even if you aren't a Christian, you can still have reap the benefits is what I'm saying. And praise the Lord. The Lord kept me out of a lot of stuff I could have got into by making the wrong choices. I'm married 43 years now to the same woman. Praise God. That's a world's record in this day and age. It is. But it's by following the godly principles. And you know, the Bibles have the Bible has the Ten Commandments. It's not called the Ten Suggestions. And the God 
God put these commandments in there not to hurt us. It's to help us. It's like, let's say you're a dad. You have rules for your kids. Hey, Johnny, don't ride your bike in the street. Why? Because he loves you. He doesn't want you to get hurt. Johnny, don't get your hand on the hot stove because he knows you're going to get hurt. Johnny, don't do this. Johnny, don't do that. It's not because He doesn't love you He tells you you can't do it. It's because He does love you. That's why He has rules in here to follow. And when we get away from the true Word of God, we're off on our own and the devil beats us up and we're living by the flesh. But I'm telling you all this, Then when I got saved, I got on fire. I joined the church. I studied the Bible. I memorized a lot of the Word of God. I ended up being teachers uh, of different groups of kids and coming to the jail. And all these were choices. And the Lord put me into different situations that just stretched myself. And I'm not telling you this to look at Gary. Look what he did. Not at all. You're missing the whole boat if you're thinking that. I'm telling you all this because look what the Lord did to a little boy that hide in the restroom of a church. The little boy that wouldn't want to read out loud, wouldn't want to stand in front of anybody. The kid that took special reading classes, the kid that stuttered. I'm here tonight because of the Lord Jesus Christ changed my life, changed my priorities. And He gave me a heart. He gave me a desire, a passion to share the Bible with other people. He's blessed me over and abundantly. And Angela talked about him and I hunting together. The Lord bless... Any of you guys deer hunters? I got seven deer in the Michigan record books. I got two Pope and Young archery record, national record book bucks in that. The Lord opened doors on that, and it's also a ministry. I wrote for a bow hunter magazine for four years. The Lord opened doors, and I've done these wild game banquets in churches. Have any of you been to like a wild game banquet at a church? Well, what they do, they have a banquet, and they invite whoever wants to come to these banquets. And they usually have taxidermists set up stuff so you can see their stuff, and, and a bow shop might come in and show their stuff. and well, They'll have a guest speaker come in. And they'll talk about how to hunt deer and all this kind of stuff. And then at the end, they'll tell people about Jesus. Well, the Lord opened the doors for that. I do that. I emceed a, a, a wild game banquet a few years ago at the RV Hall of Fame. There's between eight and 900 people showed up to this banquet. And I share, I share the Word of God at these banquets. And again, I'm not trying to pump myself up, but look what the Lord did to a kid that hide in the restroom. The Lord gets all the glory. And we need to follow the Word of God, and He'll bless us over and abundantly. And the Lord opened another ministry. I've been retired for about a year and a half. And I got this... CD ministry I've been having for years. Uh, uh, when I like right now, I'm preaching my message here. I'm taping it. 
and I'm going to go home and I'm going to put it on a computer, then I'm going to download it, and I'm going to put it on CDs, and I give CDs wherever I go. And I always carry this. I got CDs in here, tons of them. Where, if I go to Walmart, I give these CDs out. If I go to my doctor, I go give them a CD wherever I go. It, and I've, I've given out about 24,000 of these CDs. It's the Word of God. I'm not saying I'm the best preacher, but it has the Word of God in it. And since I retired, the Lord bless us with a Mercedes motorhome. And we've been traveling. And we just got back not too long ago for a 22-day trip. Went clear to the Pacific Ocean, went to, to uh, uh, Bryce Canyon. We went to uh, Arches National Park. We went to Olympic National Park. We, we've been all over the place. Last year, we went to Yellowstone and Glacier Park. We went to the Redwoods. We've been all over. And... We've given out over 1,500 CDs when we travel. We just give them out. The Word of God. And the Bible says, go into all the world preaching the Word of God. And the Lord provided us top-of-the-line Mercedes motorhome to do this in. You can't outgive the Lord. The Lord is just blessed over and abundantly. I'm just telling you. I can't say enough good things how the Lord's blessed us. And, and I'm not saying I haven't had trials. I've had a lot of trials. Everybody has trials. And mine mostly been physical trials. I've had two rotator cuff surgery, elbow surgery, thumb surgery, hand surgery, two knee surgeries, three hernia surgeries, uh, gallbladder surgery, uh, last winter I had prostate surgery, and uh, right now I have Lyme disease. I've been sick, real sick for the last month. Uh, some days I hardly got out of bed, and I'm the type to go, 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 go. But my body's lately been saying, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> but I didn't want to miss tonight, and the Lord's gave me the strength to preach here tonight. But I'm telling you, you can't outgive the Lord. It's and the devil tried beating us up last fall. We were headed to Maine. We got halfway there to New York, and a guy came across the center line on the road, coming straight at us when we're in our motorhome, and we veered off the road just enough that he sideswiped our whole motorhome, and we were, had fifteen thousand dollars worth of damage to it. But the insurance covered, and we didn't get hurt. It was so, a guy stopped that was a witness about the accident, and he says, "I seen the whole thing." He says, "I've been following this guy, and this guy's been going like 90 mile an hour in and out of traffic." And he he says, "I've been on the cell phone trying to get the cops to stop him because I knew he's gonna." kill somebody and he says I seen him come across the center line straight at your motorhome he says I was sure it was going to be a head on collision and we did too he's real close head on and at the last second the Lord spared our lives I wouldn't even be here talking if it wasn't uh, for the Lord sparing our lives but the Lord blessed we weren't hurt 
and we gave out 24 CDs at the, at the accident scene. People would stop by and ask if we were all right. I said, yeah, we're doing great. And I told them, I'm a chaplain at the Cass County Jail. I want to give you a few CDs. So I'd pass out some CDs right there. Give them the Word of God. So the Lord blesses all the time. That's number one story. I got two more to finish with. So you got to be patient with me. My next story is about Angelo back there. My boy. I'm proud of him. He, he's living for the Lord. And here's his life story. He was born and raised in New, in New Jersey. He lived a, a fairly normal life till he was 13 years old. Then his dad passed away. And his mom was not in good health either and couldn't work. So Angelo, at the age of 13, started doing the shopping, the cooking, the cleaning, the laundry. He had to do odd jobs. He, he sold newspapers, did other odd jobs just to help support his mom and him in New Jersey. After high school, he worked for the Jersey Department of Transportation doing construction working on bridges. It's kind of a rough job working up under bridges and putting new leg bolts in, concrete, and all that kind of stuff work. But uh, in the meantime, he got heavy into drugs and alcohol and partying and trying to hold down a job while he's doing his drugs and his alcohol and partying. On his 21st birthday, he got drunk he hit a wall with his car, got a DUI, lost his license. He paid a lot of heavy fines. Between the drugs and the alcohol, uh, things weren't doing too well. And on top of that, his mom became very sick, and he ended up moving to Indiana because they had relatives here in Indiana, maybe help take care of his mom. And uh, his mom got so sick, they had to put her in a nursing home. Then Angelo got a job at the Indiana Toll Road. Then he met a lady named Cindy. He fell in love with Cindy. Uh, she had three kids already. And they moved in together in 2004. In 2007, she said they needed to go to church. And he didn't want any part of going to church. He's like me. And uh, he says, preachers were nothing but crooks and con artists. He said, I don't want nothing to do with church. So uh, finally he gave in. He, he started going to church. And after about four months of going there, Cindy and the, the kids made a decision for the Lord. And after that, in 2007, Angel said he got on his knees in the bedroom of his house and asked Jesus Christ into his heart to be his Lord and Savior in 2007. After he got saved, he was going to church we were going to. After he got saved, he's like a sponge. He's soaking it all up. He, he, he's growing in the Lord. He's enthusiastic. Lord completely changing. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
and he changed it. He started studying. He's like a sponge. And you know, when he got saved, the Lord changed some other attitudes too. He says, you know, I'm living together with this gal. That ain't right. That isn't what the Bible says. So he wanted to make it right. So they got married. So two years after they got married, they uh, went to Africa on a mission trip. And the Lord blessed and they seen miracles there. As time went on, Cindy started staying later and later at work, longer hours, and coming home very late. And, and Angela started seeing red flags. It seemed like she didn't want to live the Christian life anymore. She wanted to go out partying, and she ended up cheating on Angelo and divorcing him. And she moved to Washington. Choices she made just tore up the whole family. Angela was devastated. And my wife Nancy and I were good friends of Angelo and Cindy. We couldn't believe it. We were devastated also. But you know, Angelo stayed true to the Lord. He had a choice he could have made. He could have blamed God. Why God? Why are you messing up my life? But you know, he didn't. He stayed true. I was watching. He stayed true to the Lord Jesus Christ through all this. And it made him stronger. Sometimes our circumstances, we have a choice. We can draw closer to the Lord or further away. He drew closer. He got stronger. He stayed firm with the Lord. He's still like a sponge growing in the Lord. And I've been coming here for over 27 years. And I count on one hand how many men I recommended to come here to the jail to help. And Angela's one of them. I've seen his passion. I've seen his caring. I've seen his servant's heart. He has a gift of teaching. And I'm proud to know Angela. I'm proud. I call him my boy. I'm proud of my boy. And, and the Lord's using him. I'll tell you, when you start doing the Lord's work, the devil don't like it. When he's coming here to jail, uh, you know, he went through that nasty divorce, but, you know, the devil didn't beat him up enough. He's still holding strong to the Lord. And then now, we, we make some jokes about it, because he used to stop at my house and we'd ride to the jail together. One night, he pulls in our drive. I live in the woods. He pulls in and we drive in my car. We come back. There had been a storm and we get back. And he's got a tree limb this big right through his windshield of his car when you're coming back from the jail. And another time he's coming back from their jail, he drove himself. And it was a freak snowstorm. Just enough snow to make everything slick. And he's almost denials. He did a spin out and ended up right in the middle of the medium on the way back from the jail. Another time he's coming back from the jail and the deer's jumping across the road and he just misses it, but the car coming from the other way slams it and all the glass comes flying on inside your car and everything. But I mean, it's crazy. And 
you know, Chaplain Ross, he had a hip replacement. So Angelo's been helping fill in the void here at the jail. He's been here like crazy, plus working a full-time job. In the middle of all this, his car took a dump. Overheated, warped the heads, $3,300 worth of damage. And the Lord provided a car for him so he never missed, but the devil was messing with him. And then... The fair's come on all last week. Cass County Fair, Angel, he's in charge of the booth for our Forgotten Man Ministry booth because we advertise what we do here at the jail. And uh, we give out CDs at the booth and uh, we give out Bible tracts and we try to get people to help support the jail ministry. Know that what, what we do. And he's all in charge, had new posters made and everything. What happens the week of that? His car takes another dump after paying $3,300. It's in the shop as we speak. And yesterday, he was at, the Lord provided a vehicle for him again. And he was at the Cass County Fair yesterday. He gave out 219 preaching CDs that have the Word of God. He's touching hearts. He's touching lives for Jesus Christ, even though the devil's trying to beat him up. And one person can change a whole city. If you look in the book, a Jonah. Jonah went to Nineveh and preached. And the whole city turned around. 120,000 people changed their lives because of one man preaching. So don't ever underestimate each and every one of you here. You can be used mildly from the Lord if you want to. It's a choice. It's a free will. Don't expect it's an easy ride after you you trust Jesus Christ. But the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Now I got the last story, another true story. This story is about a lady named Sue. My wife Nancy's cousin's named Sue. When they were young, they used to hang around together, do stuff, go to each other's house when they were like junior high age, whatever. But as Sue, Sue got older, she started hanging around the wrong crowd. She made a lot of wrong choices. She got into drugs, alcohol. She got into prostitution. She in and out of jail. A lot of bad choices. She ended up having five kids, different guys from different guys. A lot of wrong choices. The last kid she gave birth to got taken away right at birth. That tells you how bad she was as a mother. And she would go to her parents' house and hound them for money. Her parents are old, retired people that didn't have any money. But she'd go and hound them for money anyways. And sometimes she'd take some other guys with her to threaten her own mom and dad to try to get money from them. And her mom and dad actually moved to Tennessee and didn't even tell her. They wanted to get away from the whole situation. 
from their own daughter. They moved without even telling her. And she was a user. She was a taker. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. If you're out sowing that type of stuff, you're going to reap it. And here's what happened to Sue. At the age of 48, she ended up in a stinky, smelly, depressing, low-income nursing home. She had cervical cancer. She had hepatitis C. And who knows what other diseases she had beside those. She was 48 years old and she looked 90 years old. She had a colostomy bag and she walked with a walker at the age of 48. She had no friends. She had nobody to come to see her at the nursing home. She burned every bridge of every friend she ever had. She was a user, was a taker. Her mom and dad didn't come see her to the nursing home. Her five kids, her friends, her drug buddies, none of them. Nobody. She's all alone, dying in a nursing home. My wife Nancy found out about Sue being in that nursing home. She started to go visit her. Sue liked McDonald's hamburgers and strawberry shakes. So Nancy would always stop and get some hamburgers, strawberry shakes to encourage her. Nancy would tell her about the Lord. We bought her a little boom box that she could listen to Christian messages and uh, Christian songs and try to encourage her. Sue died at the age of 48 in that nursing home. They had a memorial service for Sue in that nursing home. Nancy and I were the only ones at that memorial service. I'll tell you who wasn't at her own at her funeral. Her mom and dad weren't at her funeral. Her five kids weren't at her funeral. Uh, partying buddies weren't there. Druggy buddies weren't there. I never been to a funeral like that. Nobody there but my wife and I. How sad. But it's all because of her choices. Her choices. You reap what you sow. But you know, two weeks before she died, my wife got to lead her to Jesus Christ as her Lord and her Savior. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. She was forgiven. She finally found peace. She finally found true love through Jesus Christ and comfort. She finally became a child of the king before she died. She died with peace. Praise God for that. Well, you just heard three different unique stories of life's journey. 
and our free will and our free choices. One thing I see common in all three of these stories and everybody's story is that everybody impacts and affects other people's. Your story, your story, everybody's story is affecting somebody else. Maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your dad, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your wife. It's affecting somebody. And you know, sin is like a big rock when you throw it in a pond. If there's a pond here, this was a pond, and I threw a big rock right in the center. It'd make a big splash right in the center. But it'd have a rippling effect in the whole pond. And that's what sin is like. You throw it into the pond of life and makes the biggest splash right where it enters. And sin makes its biggest impact on the people closest to you. And then it affects, it may, like I say, affect your wife, your kids, or whatever. But then it, maybe it affects your neighbors. Maybe people you worked with. Maybe people you don't even know were affected by our sins. And I have a question for you today. If you die today, where would you be? Heaven or hell? And if you would die today, how many people would come to your funeral? Who would be there at your funeral? What would they say at your funeral? That you were loving, caring, kind, a giver? What would they say? Look at that scumbag laying there. A taker, a user. What would they say? Were you a good dad? Did you care for others? What will they re would they remember about you? You know, maybe you're here tonight and you realize you're going down the wrong road. You made a lot of wrong choices, a lot of dead-end streets, and you think you have no hope. But I have good news for you tonight. There's more than hope. There's victory over the grave, victory over sin in our lives. And this is what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28-29, Jesus says this, Come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am making lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. Do you need to find rest for your soul? Tonight's the night to find rest for your soul. In 1 John 1.9, the Word of God says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much? All. all. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, But God is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. How many? All. I like that word all. Huh? Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8 says, But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23 says this, 
for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.9 says this, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10.13 says this, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3.16-18 through 18 says this, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through Him the world may be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Condemned already. Condemned already. Jesus Christ says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You know, we pray maybe to God to change our circumstances, but maybe God is hoping the circumstances we're going through changes us. Changes us. It says in Psalm 119.67, it says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Psalm 119.71 says, It is good that I was afflicted, that I might learn thy ways. How much of your life journey includes Jesus Christ? I ask you this. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. God's will and goal in our lives is not always to make us happy, healthy, or wealthy. God's goal and will in our lives is to make us more like Him. Make us more like Him. I'm going to close with a story I tell about every time I come here. About every time I come here, I talk to guys. They say, you know, I've been in and out of jail so many times. And every time I leave this jail, I say I'm never coming back. But I always come back. What can I do to never come back? And this is the story I tell them. It's a story uh, about this old missionary. He rode on horseback. This is the old cowboy Indian days. He rode back on horseback with his big old Bible. He's a missionary. He had a heart for the Indian people. And he'd go from Indian village to Indian village and tell them about Jesus Christ. And one night, he sat by the campfire and he tells the Indian chief about Jesus. And that Indian chief comes to Christ that night. And a few days later, the missionary moves on to more villages. He stops, goes. A few months later, he comes back. And he, he sees the Indian chief again by the campfire. And they start talking. And he asks the Indian chief, How is it being a Christian? And the Indian chief says, You know, great. 
the load of sin I always carried around, I don't have it no more. And I have that peace in here that I never had before. And I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. But he says there's two cats inside of me. And they fight from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. And the missionary says, what do you mean there's two cats inside of you fighting? He says, well, one cat represents the old flesh. The flesh should always get me in trouble and always say, hey, let's go do this. You know, that type of stuff. The bad stuff. But then there's another cat inside of me. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ living inside of me. And the flesh says, let's go do this. And the Holy Spirit says, no, don't do that. Do the right thing. Do the good thing. Do the godly thing. And he said they fight from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. And the missionary says, well, which cat usually wins? And this is the wisdom of this. The engine chief says, the one I feed the most wins. See what I'm saying? If you're in the Word of God, Memorizing the Word of God and have it up here. And you're praying to the Lord. And you become stronger and stronger spiritually. Closer and closer to Jesus Christ. The flesh does not win. But if you're getting around the same old friends you were, the people that drew you down, the devil already knows all your weak spot. It's just like putting a pork chop in front of a dog's face. that You can make a dog follow you wherever you want to go. And Satan knows all our weak spots. It might be drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever. Maybe greed, whatever it is. The devil knows it. And if you aren't strong, the Bible says put on the full armor of God so you can withstand the fiery darts of Satan. The full armor. Get in the Word not the flesh. And you will never come back here to jail if you're feeding the right cat. That's what it's all about. Feeding the Holy Spirit. Living. And if you're here tonight and you never asked Jesus Christ in your heart to be your Lord and your Savior, you know how many cats you got? You got one. The flesh. And there's no way you can outdo the devil in the flesh. He's got you. You're like a puppet on a string without Jesus Christ. So I ask you this. How many cats you got? And if you're here tonight and you don't know for sure, if you're not for sure, you're on your way to heaven, Chances are you're on your way to hell because the Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe in the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know. You can know. We're going to give an altar call here in just a second. And I'm going to close with a few more verses. Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open that door, I will come into him. Is he knocking on the door of your heart tonight? 
as he knocking. Open that door. Let him in. And it says in Matthew 10.32, If thou shalt confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. You can't be a secret Christian. Stand for Christ. He died for you openly. Your trials that you're going through today could be your testimony for Jesus down the road. How He delivered you through them. This sitting here in this jail, the trials you're going through, could be a testimony someday to somebody else. You tell them how in the Cass County Jail, I came to Jesus Christ. He changed my life. He changed my priorities. And that's my testimony. I'm on fire for Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he is that new creature. All things work together to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. And here's the hope of the Christian, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. We can't even comprehend it. It's like telling a blind man what color blue is, or the color red is, or what an ostrich looks like. How can you explain it? How can we explain heaven? We've never been there. We can't comprehend it. But it's awesome. That's what God says. And that's what I'm going by. So we're going to close here. And I got.